Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Hello. Feels good to be in church, right? Uh, well, let me introduce myself. Uh, my name is Heath Cadell. I pastor a church in Leland, North Carolina, which is right outside of Wilmington. I've been friends with Jimmy um, for probably close to 20 years now. I've literally got my start in ministry because of Jimmy. So if this is a horrible sermon, ultimately it's Jimmy's fault. <laughs> Just saying. Um, but I'm excited to be here tonight with you guys. Um, I'm grateful uh, to see churches getting back in buildings. Feels good, doesn't it? Uh, we're, we're a couple weeks into having a church indoors, and it's, uh, it's, it's unusual. I never thought in my wildest dreams in the 18 years I've been in ministry that there would be a season where I wouldn't uh, be at church, or, or even more so, that there would be an Easter, that I wouldn't be in church. It's just crazy. Um, so if you'll permit me, I'd like to share uh, something out of Acts 3 tonight. The scripture and everything is going to be on the screen behind you. And I want to tell you the thing that I want you to hear, the one thing, uh, something I think Jimmy does on a regular basis, giving you this one thing. But my one thing that I want you to hear tonight is that Jesus changes our I used to and I'm used to. And that'll make a little bit more sense as we go. So I've got a question for you. And I, what I tell my church is, if I ever ask you to raise your hand, unless maybe at the end, um, or you know, say something out loud, it's just, you know, just me saying. You don't have to raise your hand. Um, you don't have to look at the person beside them and say, oh, it's, it's him. But here's the first one that you just answer internally. How are you doing? Think about that. For just a second, this is a weird season that our world has been in. This is an unusual time, understatement of the year. 2020 will live in the history books for lots of things. One of those is toilet paper. One of those is face masks which will probably be the new norm, social distancing, which some people, I'm sure, uh, that aren't extroverts are like, finally, the world is coming to my side. Um, corona, and not the beer, but, you know, the thing. Uh, and the list goes on and on. Our present is a constant reminder of how it used to be. Remember when we can stand in line, not six feet apart. Remember when you went to the grocery store, and I don't know if they do this here, but I was clueless the first couple of weeks, but we have arrows of which direction you're supposed to be going. And I've never went to a grocery store and thought, this is the entrance and this is the exit of this aisle. I just go which, down, which aisle that I want to go down. And so like halfway through our first visit, once they started doing this, I'm like, my wife, I looked down and I was like, oh, what is that? And she's like, this is the way you're supposed to be going on the aisle. Remember when we used to sit in full restaurants, not worried about um, anything. We just sat in restaurants, crowded in there and ready for a meal. I remember our first, uh, which wasn't too long ago, our first dinner out. And it was amazing. 
Remember, and this is more for me, but remember spending your day in a coffee shop, just sitting in there. All of my coffee shops, which Port City Java is like the, my coffee shop of choice because that's a local brand that we have in our area. And I, I would go. That was literally my office. I would spend 20 or 30 hours a week in a coffee shop connecting with people, and they're locked still. I can't, I can't go inside. I can order from a window, but I cannot sit inside. Remember when you could get any type of toilet paper any time you wanted it. And not be excited when there's the one ply that you would never have bought before this, but it's on the shelf and you take it. I'm not sure what all. I saw this, uh, my wife showed me this cute little um, thing on Facebook of somebody's house that got toilet papered recently. And they were talking about like how excited they were that, you know, people have figured out something they could do with their toilet paper. And he was praising the kids for their creativity and all this stuff. But but remember, you know, that. Remember, and I've, I've seen it a little bit. I've watched people. This is the new awkward. Remember when we used to shake hands with people? Without that, like, can we, you know, the, even the fist bump is a little scary these days. People are like, ah. But remember, you know, we used to do all these things. Today, I want to spend some time looking at a used to that we shouldn't long for. Because some of these, we're, we're thinking, I cannot wait until we get back to normal. And I, I just want to declare to you, if you didn't know this already, God is not on vacation. God is, is not like, oh my goodness, I didn't know this was going to happen. God is and will continue to be in control. And God is doing what he's doing right now for his purpose and our good and his glory. And I want to look at some of those used to that we don't want to long for. And there's a tension that's felt all the way back to Egypt. When they, when they finally left their oppressors and things got hard and difficult, they longed for that used to. They longed for that, for just to be in, imprisoned again so that they could eat meat. And so before we get into the word, I want us to pray. Literally, the only thing that I'm going to say tonight that's going to have any power is the truth that is revealed in His Word. So let's pray. Jesus, I am grateful to be in South Carolina. I'm grateful for what you have in store for us tonight. I'm grateful for what you have in store for those that will listen to this online. But Lord, I ask that you would open our eyes to your truth, that you would open um, our hearts to see that where you're leading us is so much better than where we were. And that we would get, be broken from our used to, that old way, and that you would show us that you would lead us into a freedom that not only restores us, not only sets us free, but impacts our community and our families. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to be in Acts 3. I just did something that even when we were filming during our season that I felt self-conscious of. Anybody feel weird about touching their face nowadays? Like I just scratched my nose and I feel like... Okay, just me. I'm a weirdo. Uh, so we're going to jump right into Acts 3, and I, I'm going to go um, through Acts 
3, verse 1 through 21, and we're going to talk about it. And I feel like there's a truth that God wants for us to see and to contemplate and to figure out how we're going to respond. So uh, if you're familiar with Acts, Acts is the story of the church beginning. It is the story of Jesus had done what he did here. He had prepared his people to be the church, and then he empowers them and he leaves. Actually, he leaves, and then the power comes in Acts 2. You see the Holy Spirit come. You see the church begin. You see the first sermon that Peter preached, and we're going to actually go through uh, the second one, at least the one that's recorded of what he says. But there's an interaction that happens leading into the beginning of 3 that I just felt as I was reading it for us. There's a truth that we need to gripple or, 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 or wrestle with. So starting in verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. They were doing what they normally did. They were doing their afternoon prayer at the temple. They were going there. I, I don't know for sure that they knew that what is getting ready to happen was going to happen. I think they were literally following what they had done before. They were going to a prayer meeting. They were doing their normal life. And I, I just want to point out that ministry happens in and around our normal routines. It's not some special thing that just happens when the church ordains it to happen. It's something that happens when we see a need and we meet that need. And so on the way into the temple in verse 2, it says, And a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. A man that was born this way, and in, the, in, in this culture, lame from birth, it was perceived to be a curse or a judgment. I don't know if you remember the conversation that Jesus' disciples had with him when they saw someone that was born blind and they asked, Who sinned? Like, who, who did that? Like, someone had to have sinned so that this has happened to them, and so this person has been this way his whole life. This thing had robbed him of his future other than the one that he has right now, being carried to a gate to ask, beg for money. And the truth is, and I'm going to point this out at the end too, is that we were born with this same issue. We were born with the same inability for us to be a functional person you may not like that but it's true we're born into this place that we we need to be freed from in verse 3 it says seeing peter and john about to go in the temple he asked to receive alms see this man was just doing what he did every day of his life asking from life from others he was asking for this thing that was going to sustain him to the next day asking for others to have mercy on him so that he could eat and live because he didn't have any capacity to do it himself in verse 4 it says and peter directed his gaze at him as did john and said look at us and can you imagine in his mind he's like oh i'm getting i'm getting ready to get something so he directs his attention, and I found this in, in commentaries when I was reading this. I, I love this. It says, we have to see people so that God can have access to our hearts. A lot of times we don't see people, and it's, it's inconvenient for us to look at the hurt and pain in others, because if we don't look at it, we don't have to 
deal with it. But Peter and John, they were going to look at this person. They were going to draw their attention so that God could have access to what was getting ready to happen. In verse 5, it says, He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them, hoping for silver and gold. This is a freebie. How many miracles have we missed asking for the wrong thing? Because he had no idea that his life was forever going to be changed in this moment because he was just doing what he always did. He was just asking like he had probably done for as long until he got old enough to be set out there by himself. He asked what he asked every day. And he would have been happy, content, satisfied for the moment to get what he asked for. And I'm grateful that God is willing to not give us what we desire so that he can do what he needs to do in us. In verse 6, it says, But Peter said to him, and imagine how upsetting this must have been at first. I have no silver and gold. You've wasted my time of asking the other people that may have filtered by why you took my attention. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And see, we don't know how much time passes between each of these statements. We, we don't know if like right after he says six, he goes right into seven. We don't know if he says this, rise up and walk. You know, imagine him in the moment going, oh, you, you know, so I'm not getting any money. Imagine his disappointment. He isn't going to get what he thinks he needs. But they just said, in, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Could you imagine, because when things are happening to us, it usually happens in slow motion. Like even if it was, you know, one statement to the next statement, could you imagine that, that half a second in the middle of that, looking down at your legs that are withered because you have not used them for 40 years, and someone saying, in the name of Jesus, and we don't know how much he knows about this Jesus. But looking down for that moment and looking at your withered puny legs and thinking how in the world am I going to get up and walk how in the world do you expect me to do that in verse 7 it says he took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong and I've seen way too many movies to not think about everything that happens in the bible like a movie I mean, so like, did his like, legs, these puny, unused legs, because if you don't use them, they, they go atrophied. Uh, can you imagine just like, <laughs> was it like a miniature Hulk smash, like before where his legs just started, you know, growing and all of a sudden his ankles are getting strengthened? I don't know, like, did that happen as he was touching him? Did that happen as they connected hands, as he, you know, started to pull him off the ground? Because you imagine in his head he's going, what am I going to do when you yank me off the ground and I don't have legs to walk? We, I don't know. But I do know that in that moment, his legs received everything they knew needed to function properly. In verse 8, And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. Could you imagine his first few steps? 
undignified. Who cares? I mean, it, like he finally gets the thing that he, you know, he didn't even think was possible. Forty years of nothing. He stood and began to walk and he entered the temple. Which most likely, from the commentaries I've read, most likely will be his first time entering the temple. Because he, he, because of his condition, because of his, his inability, probably never entered into the presence, into the temple. And he went in there walking and leaping and praising God. Silver and gold did not matter anymore. That thing that he thought would satisfy him in that day was gone. He didn't care whether he had change in his pocket. I don't know what he left there on the ground, his little cup that he collected. Maybe change that he had already received. Because something happened to him that was better than silver and gold. And he was leaping and praising God in verse 9. It says, all the people saw him walking and praising God. And recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. There was no, like, was this? This was a clear, because he had been sitting there for decades. People probably intentionally went by his gate because they had maybe potentially built relationship, knew this person, seeing him every day that they went to the temple, and they were aware that he was the one. There was no debate. <laughs> And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. The miracle got their attention. See, the miracle wasn't the only thing that was happening right here. To that person, it was everything. Let me, a little side note here, this is for free. Any miracle God does in you and through you is never just for you. This miracle opened the attention of those that Peter's getting ready to preach the gospel. It isn't just about restoring things, it's about bringing things into their right order. And then he, he preaches in verse 11. It says, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Opportunity. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? There was a belief that if, if you were pious enough, if you were good enough, if you were pure enough, that if you asked something of God, he would do it. And Peter and John are telling the people, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the power that I have. It has nothing to do with my own piety or purity that this man has been healed. It says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. When he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. Verse 15, it says, And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name 
by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man his perfect health in the presence of all you. Verse 17, it says, And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance doing what he just said, as did also your rulers, but what God has foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent. Therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out and a time of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. A people that rejected Jesus was being offered a second chance. And to prove the power of that Jesus that they, you know, they, they circled rumors that he had been stolen by his disciples. <laughs> I'm sure there's still people that believe that he, you know, did he really resurrect? And they're like, look, there is continuation of this power to prove to you who he is. Repent, therefore, and turn back. And their number exploded because of this. I think it was at 3,000. It went to 5,000 people because of this miracle. And here's what I want to do in the next few minutes that I have with you. As I was reading this, there was just this, this picture in my head. Because this man got something that changed him forever. And the thought came into my brain is that why would he ever want to go back to where he used to be? That was the thought that came through my head. Why would we, why would he, why would we go back to this place to what used to be when Jesus set us free? It would be idiotic for him to walk out there on his good legs now and sit down by the beautiful gate. Because he doesn't have to. He's not forced to be that person ever again because of what Jesus did and what I feel that God wants to do in and through us this morning, in and through His Word, is He wants to speak to us in here that have a tendency to want our used to. And this is not a judgment call from you know North Carolina because we're above you guys. I mean, literally, we're above you guys. That was pretty funny, I'm just going to say. This isn't a judgment of going, oh man, we've got it figured out up at my church, and if you would just get it, if, if you would realize that that other place isn't ever going to give you what you want, you would be better. I'm telling you, from me. We have a tendency, and it's in our history, it's in our DNA, it's in our story. And C.S. Lewis said this about our desires not being enough. That we would settle for mud cakes 
we'd, we'd settle for this thing instead of the glory that God wants to give us. And, and I believe today that there's something in this story, whether this be for us individually to hear, that that other thing is never. Egypt wasn't great. Egypt was slavery. And our use to was slavery. For us, we, we are slaves to whatever we serve. See, think about it this way. This man was born lame. He had no ability to change. And he was outside of the presence of God. He was outside the temple. Does that sound familiar? That's us. That's our world prior to being free from our used to, which we had no power to do. This is why self-help books are a billion-dollar industry, because there's always something else that you need help from. There's always something else that you can do, but the truth is the reason why people go back and get another book, get the next iteration of whatever it is, is because it doesn't work. Those things don't work. And the only way for us to walk out of that is being free, being freed by Jesus. See, we need to realize and understand that God wants to set us free, not just for us. God wants to give us our legs, not just for our leaping and walking around. God wants to give us legs. He wants to give us freedom because he has a bigger thing that's going on. He has this thing, this kingdom that he's moving forward, which is still being moved forward right now. I'm just going to tell you, and I've had this conversation with pastors uh, all over the place. The church will thrive through this. We're gonna, it may take some while to get some traction. But on the other end of what's going on, the church is going to change to be more productive in the kingdom. This isn't, and, and it feels weird. I, I have not, if you looked at our YouTube, <laughs> don't really. Uh, if you looked at our YouTube channel for our church prior to COVID, there was one video on it from our first year anniversary which was like eight years ago, because we were cutting-edge technology. But the church has always been one that adapts and changes because our world is adapting and changing. And the gospel is not changing, but our, our means and our method will. See, Jesus changes our used to and I'm used to. See, God change this man's used to he no more had to beg for alms that life that's not his life again and what i want us to realize what i i'm constantly trying to remind myself to is this this other thing and there's the illusion that that other thing will satisfy even some of us now are, are thinking to ourselves like you know it used to be less complicated. But no one would go back to sitting at the gate with good legs. 
Why would we choose something lesser when God's given us the access to freedom? Look, by the grace of God, He called me to ministry. I'm still confused by it. I was, this was not my plan. I'm just going to tell you. Like, I wasn't one of those people that got saved and felt like, man, I'm going to preach the gospel. At 18, I had no idea what God was going to do for me. And all I continue to do and all I'm asking for you to do is to keep moving forward. Keep allowing God, even in the midst of your world falling apart, even in the midst of our, you know, whatever our economy is going to do, whatever our country is going to do, is to keep trusting Him. Now, I don't know what happened to this. I wish he was named. I wish we knew the history of what happened to this man. And, you know, he become one of the lead. You know, it had been a great story. It had been awesome to preach. But what I do know is that he didn't go back with good legs and sit at the temple gate. And I don't know what your temple gate is. I, I don't know what that is for you, but I do know that we as a people, because of our history, not meaning your personal history, but the history of the church, we are a people that love to look back. We are a people that long for the, for the what used to be. And I'm just going to tell you, there is no life for you back there. And so whether that means this today, right now, that you decide that whatever that longing for is I need to intentionally move forward. Maybe I need someone to help me with this because this thing is pulling me. And so here's the last question that I want to ask you. Has he changed you? Have you come to that place that you are trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior? Because if you have, then don't let any lie of what used to be taunt you and pull you into something that will never satisfy you. Jesus is our truth, and gratefully, He did what I could not do. Gratefully, He went to the cross because I am not that good of a person. I never was. And I've come to terms with, with, with me. Not that I'm condoning like I'm a horrible person now, but I've come to terms that I never had the capacity to free myself. And what I want to encourage you right now is that maybe you're here and you've played the role of a Christian. And maybe you've played the, the game of church, but you've missed the surrendering to a living, loving Savior that wants to take you and make you into something more. And here's what that looks like. Is that Jesus, God in his infinite wisdom, sent his son at the perfect moment. 
to show himself. I, I love that right now, if you're confused on who God is, if you're confused of what God is like, look to Jesus. He said that about himself. He asked, I think Philip it was, that said, hey, show us the Father and we'll believe. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I, there's no one I've ever read or experienced that has what he has. He let his creation kill him because he had to. There was nothing that was going to stop him from the cross. And he went there so that we could trust and believe in his sacrifice. And so what I want to do as I close today, I want to pray. And I believe in this room and in the, the video that's going to go out there, is that there's two groups of people. There's one that's missing what's moving forward because you're longing for what's back. Or maybe you're, you're sitting at the gate again. And maybe this morning God is saying to get back up and walk by the grace that set you free originally. And I, I want to pray for those that are in that struggle because you are the best candidate for change in others. And for those that are either listening online or here this morning that it's not morning, this night, that need that grace, then this is the moment that you just go, I, I, don't, I, don't, I need you. I'm desperate for you. So what I, I want to do, I'm going to pray for us. And so wherever that finds you, the, the best thing that you can do in the moment is go, God, I'm here. I want to surrender. I want to lift my arm up and I want to be pulled because you know, he, I believe, didn't have enough to get him off the ground that Peter reached out his hand and I believe that God has the capacity to do that in us now. So let's pray. Lord, you know what's in the hearts of those in this room, including me. You know which ones are sitting by the gate still trying to get out of life what they never could get before. And Lord, I know that you want to give life. Lord, you want to move us into a direction that not only brings life to me, but brings life to others. And so for those in this room that are, 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 are stuck between the where God wants us and where we used to be, Lord, I pray that you would fix our attention to where you're leading us. That we would trust you in the journey. We would trust you with our story. And for those in this room, those watching this, Lord, I ask right now, if they don't know you, Lord, I believe that the power of the living God that raised that man off the ground can bring life to those that desire it. So Lord, I pray that you would awaken us to know you, to surrender to you, and to choose to see life in you and to receive the life that you give us. And Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would give us an ability to change this city based on not our power, 
or our purity, but by you, the living, breathing Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.